Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Nasty Cast might sound like a silly name for a show, but this is a serious fantasy baseball podcast. Okay, maybe not that serious, but these guys aren't just here to party. Hello and welcome to a very special bonus edition of the Nasty Cast. I'm your host, Van Lee, and I'm joined on this very special bonus edition by Brian Vaughn here in studio. Brian, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing bonus because, the yeah, this is a bonus episode. What are we doing? Why we're, are we doing this? We're going to just slog our way through relief pitchers, <laughs> which is about the best oh. thing you can do with relief pitchers, a particularly in this day and stoppers. age. stoppers. Stoppers. A group of high leverage men. Sometimes starters with the way it goes now. Like, That's as true. In they start a game. They don't, they're not a starter's workload. And they don't pitch that many innings and so on and so forth, but they start the you game. You don't know starters. what they'll do. It's so a- I guess, you know, we need to really reform the, the nomenclature. Because mm-hmm. starters aren't necessarily starters anymore. We say starters and relievers. Maybe we need a different word for that. I guess we use openers for when it's a relief pitcher doing it. I don't know. Well, hmm. yeah. I, well, you know what? This actually naturally bridges into talking about what the relief pitcher position is. Garbage. It's garbage, but it's also <laughs> like not anything. And to your point, uh, I said this last year. And I will say it probably every year until it happens. But fantasy is going to have to adapt to how baseball's using pitchers mm-hmm. at some point. And we're trying. I swear we all are because mm-hmm. we, we've tried out a lot of different stat categories and things like that. I don't know what the answer is. But relievers are, are a perfect example, and we'll get into it. But the position is not what it was 15 years ago, like where – it, I'm not saying that's detrimental. I think teams are using their bullpens wise in a more wise fashion. But it is really hard to figure out how to accumulate saves, which is the you know prime goal of drafting a reliever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say, honestly, even five years ago, the position was drastically different because I'd, I'd like to look this up. But I think five years ago, going into a draft season, you could sit down and say there are 16 or 17 capital C closers. Sure. Now there's like five. I think that's probably true. Actually, uh, I have something for you and for the audience, based on our relief pitcher preview last season. Oh, okay. So for going into last season, I went off of our, our top 30 relievers we were talking about. Okay. So basically, it wasn't one per team. So, But sure. the idea was uh, each team gets a reliever. How many of those guys essentially were the closer last year? Nine. Nine. Out of yeah, 30. It makes sense. Now... How many of those nine were not the top six? Three. (laughs) So after, to your point, after those top six really established guys, three out of the next 24 held a closer's job. It's rough. Which is why, and we'll talk about it, it is really difficult to imagine spending a very high pick on one of these guys unless it is 
one of the very top guys. Mm -hmm. And there is some strategy discussion there, and we'll get into that in a bit. Obviously, Ron's not here. He's not just sitting here silently for 10 minutes Mm, while we discuss this. He's in Florida. He is in Florida. This is a bonus episode. We'll be having our regular episode later on in the week about starting pitchers, so that's to look forward to. But we wanted to get this relief pitcher episode out with drafts coming up and obviously the season starting next week. Think of it as an early birthday gift, Ron. Or a late birthday gift for me. That's true. Either way. That's true. Because that's, what, that's last very week? true. Yeah. Uh, depending on when this comes out. Well, it'll be out tonight, but last I'm forgetful. Week. Last yeah, week. Last Let's go week. with that. <laughs> it, it definitely was last week because it's still... March. That's right. (laughs) And baseball is right around the corner. So let's go ahead and start diving into relief pitchers. Now, the ADP I've pulled here is a little, it's particularly tricky with relief pitchers because, well, fan tracks, you can't even download their ADP now. They made a change and have not responded to my questions, but that's neither here nor there. NFBC just has pitcher. So that would lump in pitchers with relief pitchers. So I've went to Fantasy Pros and pulled off a combo ADP of NFBC drafts as well as Fantrax drafts. And it just, I guess, mushed all the numbers together and came out with this. So this might be slightly different from what you're seeing, but this is a good indicator of where these relief pitchers are in drafts. So let's start with an overall strategy. We kind of hinted at this earlier, Brian, with fewer people, fewer players becoming that capital C closer who lasts the whole season and gets you 45 saves. How are you treating the position in drafts? Are you more interested in taking one of those top guys and then taking a bunch of flyers late? Are you ignoring the top guys and saying, screw it, I'll figure something out later? How are you treating it? I will say traditionally I've been an ignore these top guys and figure it out with um, some late round picks and some in-season moves. And I would say that is mostly still true, but now I have reached a point where I'd like to have bare minimum one guy who I personally believe will hold the job enough to get me like, you know, 25 plus saves. (laughs) Yeah. And ideally, um, now I'm going to have to see how that works out for me this season in, uh, this year only drafts. I haven't done any yet, but I really think I'm going to have to now. I, I think that, I'm not saying I have to wind up with Josh Hader or Liam Hendricks necessarily, but I think one of the top seven or eight guys I probably would really like to wind up with just to avoid falling into a pit there because I, I'm i not a big advocate of punting a category. I completely agree with that concept, and I do think you really do want to have maybe, I don't know, I'm looking at the list right now, one of the top eight players, yeah. something along those lines, because it, it starts to get murkier from there, certainly. However, I know in the NFBC main uh, main event drafts, which happened this past weekend, there was one team that did go Hader Hendricks. I think I saw that. And I kind of like that this year. I hinted last year that I thought that could be a viable thing, and maybe I'll try it. I didn't because I just ultimately won't pull that trigger. But I get it as a strategy, and I think it's a great one because, you know, if he's got 80 saves right out of the gate, plus those two guys are going to get you amazing ratios. They're going to have good strikeouts and 85, 90, 100 innings out of them. I think that's certainly a very viable strategy. If you do that, however, that's obviously going to make pitching as a whole kind of murky. What do you think you would do in that case? Do you then just take a a high-profile starter or take a couple starters then? and Because I think he did it in rounds three and four. So do you go starters in rounds five, six, seven? Do you just say, screw it, I'm going to worry about eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 plus round starters. How do you think is the, the way to react to going closer? To that's why early? that's such a tough move to pull because 
as much as that may really give you a shot at tying up the saves category, it is still the most volatile category because anything can go wrong in um, little blips like that. So you're really banking on winning saves and you're shutting yourselves out yourself out a little bit of the the counting stat categories because you're putting yourself behind in pitching a little bit. That's the problem with closers. They don't offer as much all-around value as any other type of player in fantasy or in real life. But if I'm in that position, I think I'm focusing on building an offense and um, and maybe adding some other closers later to make sure I'm padding my saves, maybe getting some high strikeout pitchers um, with some upside a little bit later to fill out my rotation. Because I think at that point you really need to make sure you're you're getting a well-rounded offense because your pitching staff's going to maybe be a little shy in the counting stats already. For sure. So the other thing I would say is if you personally out there, listener, are a fantasy player who maybe struggles with the fab aspect or the, the pickup and drop aspect, I think you really do need to look at a high-end closer. I'm so glad quickly. you brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um not just that. It, if you struggle with Fab, if you are busy, um, yeah. and, and I can't stress this enough, I should tell myself this more, but like, do not commit to leagues or scenarios where where there's too much going on mm-hmm. if you can't keep up with it. Because, And the same with Fab, like you said, or even daily transaction leagues. Like, If you know you can't beat other owners to the punch or you can't calculate fab bids you have to make sure that certain things are set up things that are harder to find on the wire yeah i agree with that and to that point myself i a have no interest in in the high stakes fantasy world because i don't have that kind of money but also i find that part very prohibitive as well yeah exactly but there's a second component to that it's not just that i can't come up with the fifteen hundred dollars or rationalize the fifteen hundred dollar entry fee it's also if i'm putting that much money into it i need to have so much time to dedicate to it and i don't have that so i think my personal skills is i'm smart I know how to play a game. I love playing games. That's where I, I feel I'm a good analyst and I feel I'm capable of understanding what baseball players are good, strategies, et cetera. The difference for me is, is I don't have the time to sit down every single Sunday for eight hours and figure out the fab for this versus my opponents because uh, I'll say that too. It's another tangent here. If you're in a, fa- a weekly fab league where you're playing against 14 other very talented fantasy baseball players, you shouldn't just be looking at your fab scenario. You no. should be looking at everyone else. And you have to have a good sense of everyone's roster. Exactly. And uh, and that's another challenge uh, to, to keep up with. And like this came up a while back. Uh, I was talking to my friend Danny, and I was giving him some draft advice one year. And I was doing my usual, especially back then, like, you can wait on closers, you can wait on closers. And then he just finally had to say it effectively. He's like, this is the only league I do, and I still have trouble, like, beating anyone to picking up a closer. And I was Mm. like, all right, I see why you want to take a guy earlier. And 15 years ago, it was a hell of a lot easier to be on top of that stuff because not everyone had a phone in their hands. Well, they did. It just didn't have the same connectivity. So it was easier to spot the bargains or when players got hurt. Now it seems like everyone has information the second it happens. So unless you're able to quickly be quick on the draw, that makes it tougher for you. And that's not even talking about what we would call fastest fingered leagues where it's no. the first person to scoop them up. It's even fab. And there's an, there's an element of luck that goes into that. And um, we'll be talking about it on this very podcast just as soon as the season starts 
and a closer blows up mm-hmm. because we'll be discussing what the setup man's price tag is in fab. And you know what? A lot of times there's no way to know. Uh, last year, I remember Julian Merriweather being a guy who inherited the closer's job, looked great. And everybody I know was putting in quite a, a nice size fab bid because like a couple hundred bucks. It looked yeah. like he was going to have a clear lane for the job for a while. And that didn't really happen. And uh, I think that that's more common than not. But if you, the price, what it's worth, if you can nab another closer off fab like that is a lot. So you got to try. Sure. Yeah, totally fair. So there you go. That's just a little bit of draft strategy involving closers. And just more importantly, knowing yourself and knowing yeah. how your skills will translate to the game and the best way to apply that. And what kind of players you evaluate best. Like mm-hmm. if you're confident that you can... For instance, this applies to me. I'm very confident in my ability to get quality starting pitchers late. I've I it's just a skill I've been able to develop. So knowing that, maybe in a spot I would take a starter, go ahead and take a closer earlier. Sure, that's fair. And uh, this is I'm not going to say names, but there's a guy, an analyst out there who considers himself essentially the starting pitcher guru, and he's very good at analyzing starting pitchers, but. To that point, he's also one of the worst drafters, fantasy drafters of starting pitchers because he sees the positive. He sees yeah. that the spin rate of this pitch for this pitcher was so good. He said he's improved it. I think he's got an extra 500 RPMs on it. So, therefore, this is his outcome. I'm going to draft it where that's appropriate. I'm going to take the guy I want. Mm-hmm. And then maybe— and it just doesn't quite pan out that way. Yeah. So, th- you have to understand that about yourself. Yeah, I'm much more in the camp of having like a— like how many players are in your fantasy league and then kind of knowing, okay, well, that's how many players are going to get drafted. I don't really need to look at certain people, even if I like them, because I would not draft them over X amount of guy Mm. and kind of figuring out who you would or wouldn't draft. Because uh, I think that's a really common problem is falling in love with, um, with sleepers or, you know, with pitchers, it's really easy. Rookies. (laughs) Yeah. And then um, it winds up burning you because that's kind of the only direction you went. I don't know. It's tough. All right. Well, let's get into the individual pitchers. So starting out with the number one relief pitcher overall, and I'll give you the ADP in a couple of different instances here. Overall, again, this is a combination of fan tracks and NFBC main event drafts. Josh Hader is the number one relief pitcher off the board, 41st overall pick. And I'll mention this, NFBC tends to go a little harder against for these guys and pitching in general so for example his nfbc average yes was uh 34 that was 45 on fan track so if depending on what platform you're on what their adp shows because that we're we're humans we're pattern oriented so if you're looking at an adp list when drafting that's going to influence no matter what so it's always good to turn that off if you can if you're comfortable anyway so basically yeah 41st overall but going anywhere from 34 to 45 what do you think about Hader coming into this year? Obviously, we've had a handful of years now where he's been number one or certainly top three relief pitcher. Strikes out over 15 batters an inning. Great ERA last year, just at 1.23, 58 and two-thirds innings. Ended up with 34 saves. He's never really had a gaudy saves total, but he makes up for that in being just unhittable. Yeah. So do I, you like him at this spot? Of course. Yeah, I mean, he's as safe as anyone. He's as good as anyone, relief pitcher-wise, and— He may not always be the saves leader because Milwaukee has always been willing to go multiple innings and use him when they really need him, even if he is the closer. But he's still going to get his saves. And like you said, Van, like the strikeouts and the ratios are second to no one. 
Yeah, he's very good. We haven't seen any indications that he's slipping. No. The velocity's been good. The break on the breaking pitches and the fastball has always been good. So until we see something like that, I'm inclined to say it's perfectly acceptable to take him at this slot. And he's that, 27, so he's young. That kind of applies to relievers, like just in general, as we're saying this. We're going off what we have right now, what the player's shown, because they can just, the wheels can just come off. Mm-hmm. And next up then at 42 overall, so taking just a pick later, is Liam Hendricks. And let's see, NFBC going 32, Fantrax 48, so kind of in that range. Hendricks is a little bit older. He's 33 years old, signed that big deal with the White Sox, and last year in the first season of that contract, did what he does, 14.3K per nine, 0.89 walks per nine, his best total basically ever, and a 2.54 ERA in 71 innings. He had 38 saves, a little more than Hendricks, a little worse ERA, but some more innings. Overall, what do you think about him? Yeah, he's great. I mean, he's been he's been a really good reliever for a long time, and now he's a closer, and as good as he's ever been on a very good team, too, that should win a lot of games, and that's what you want for a closer. So, yeah, if you could tell me Hendricks was number one, and I wouldn't even be, like, mad. It's kind of the same. You're looking for the same thing here. And Hendricks, again, is a little bit older. Honestly, he even got a velocity spike last year. Yeah. went up about a mile per hour and <laughs> shows no signs of slowing down. So another guy that perfectly acceptable. I just don't mm-hmm. think there's any risk here with him. And great, perfect. So let's move on. Number three is Rysel Iglesias, the second, 62nd overall pick. Of course, signed a big contract with the Angels. And he is going 79 in Fantrax drafts, 51 in NFBC. So, okay, we're out of the third, now, fourth round. Now we're also, we're out of... The beginning part of the draft, and we're to the first guy with any sort of question marks, even if it's not very much. <laughs> yeah, and so last year with the Angels, 70 innings, 34 saves, 257 ERA, 13.24 K per nine, and a 1.54 walks per nine. I'll start out here. I'm actually more inclined to say I would draft Rysel Iglesias at this mm-hmm. cost than the first two guys yeah. because it's fifth, sixth round so it's or like whatever. three, two rounds later. And he's just as safe to them. Maybe there's more question, but the Angels signed him a big deal. Madden likes his closer, capital yes. C closer. I think he's a super safe bet, and I could see myself taking him here far more than any other closer uh, certainly in the top so many. So this is definitely a target of mine if I'm looking at closers. Do you agree with that? Yes, this is as soon as I could pull the trigger. And he is what you hit the nail on the head, which is Madden wants the closer and Iglesias has been a nominal closer for five years. And he's really good. He struggled out of the gate last year, but then he righted the ship. He's great. I'm not worried about him. If he gives you a lesser season than Hendricks or than Hayter, fine, whatever, I'll take that two rounds later and fill the gap with a hitter or a starter or something. I would say the risk here is that he has a rough month and his end-of-season line is a three-and-a-half ERA with the same amount of saves. And I don't care because his ratios are going to be good. In fact, they've been getting better every year, really. Yeah, his strikeout rate was the best he's ever had last year. And the control, which was once an issue for him, is a is a strength now. Yeah, it's pretty much gone. I mean, he has gotten better for, let's see, well, five straight years in yeah. walks per nine. So clearly he figured something out. I'm a out. fan. And like, I, uh, man, I almost, tra- I didn't for reasons that I'll explain shortly, but in the prestigious Dynasty Dynasty League, I was offered Rysel Iglesias. I'm pretty sure it was that league. It was either that or my other Dynasty. And I turned the trade down, even though the trade was favorable to me, just because my team's not competing. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a good point. I, now I still kind of wish I had taken it because Iglesias was struggling at the time. And and this season, 
if we get into May or June and there's a struggling team and you're looking to rebuild, yeah. I think it's a pretty price that you can trade at a reliever point. for. Yeah. All right. So next up, let's go to the fourth reliever off the board at pick 77 overall. It's Emmanuel Classe with the Cleveland Guardians. He's going 62 in NFBC leagues and 95 in Fantrax leagues, almost around pick 100. So maybe we've seen another little drop off here yeah. from skills from Iglesias to him because he doesn't strike out batters at the gaudy rate that the first three guys did. Mm. Class A last year at a 9.56 K per nine, which is good. It's over his batter in inning. 69 two-thirds innings, 24 saves, 129 ERA. Do you, the youngest of the group, 24 years old. And yeah, only one buy year. I buy that this is the pitcher he is for sure. I mean, the caveat applies with only one year under his belt, anything could happen. Cleveland's not going to be great. Uh, I I do think I'm surprised he's here in the rankings, even though I do like him a lot because he doesn't have quite as high strikeout rate and he's not as proven. And that, again, that's not me saying that. That's how baseball seems to work. Uh, the, the longer you've closed, the more likely you are to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And what I'll say is this feels like, Okay, well, this was seven years ago. This was Rice Hill Iglesias. Sure. Although he got into the closer's role a little With quicker. With Classe being is. more polished and less, probably less Raw pure stuff. upside. Yeah. yeah. But still, very good pitcher. Um, I, something makes me go no, but I can't put that into words. So I just, it's just not a preference thing. I For probably me, won't it's up just them. totally the spot because I, I think he's a good pitcher. But like I said, Cleveland's not that good. Mm-hmm. And. We're about to talk about a couple guys who are on better teams and strike more guys out. Yeah, definitely agree with that. So let's get into them. The number five relief pitcher off the board at pick 79 overall is Edwin Diaz. Now, Diaz is, of course, with the Mets now. He is going with 65 overall in NFBC and 94 overall in fan tracks. About the same spot as Class A. Last year with the Mets, 62 and two-thirds innings, 12.78 K per nine, 3.3 walks per nine, 3.45 ERA, and 32 saves. So overall, certainly has more strikeouts than Class A, but everything else looks dirtier. Less ERA, Mm -hmm. less innings, less saves. Uh, What do you think about... Diaz coming into this year is that a target you'd go for I know a lot of people are scared off because he's had some really bad stretches absolutely and I think that's why if he's around here maybe a little later I I think he I would be okay with it because Diaz does have a longer leash because of his closing history he just has been a closer and I would be not shocked at all if he was the best reliever in baseball this year and he has the stuff to do yeah. that. So and I also wouldn't agree. be surprised, like you said, if he has a four and a half ERA. But if he does, he probably still saves 30 games. Yeah, he'll And still strikes get out saves. a bunch of guys for this year, at least. So I feel pretty confident in him here. I, again, I don't know what it is, but with Class A only having done it a year and having the less outwardly impressive stuff, I think Diaz's uh, track record does it for me here. I guess what I would say, and this lumps in with Class A, is... Of course, the NFBC price of 65 and 62 for those guys versus fan tracks of yeah, 94, 102. Yeah. So I like him closer to the 80s than I oh, do in the 60s. Sure. That said, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't know. Maybe I won't yeah, get them at that price, but it's I fine. would take them in the 80s. Uh, or I would take Diaz in the 80s, I think. Well, let's skip ahead to the number six relief pitcher off the board, Ryan Presley. Presley with the Houston Astros now. He is, what did I say, 85 overall, going 68 in NFBC and 102 in Fantrax League. So still right there with Classe and Diaz for Presley. 
Presley last year, 64 innings, 26 saves, 11.39 K per nine, 1.83 walks per nine, and a 2.25 ERA. Uh, this one's tricky. This one's interesting. He just doesn't get saves. And I don't yeah, quite know it's, why. It's Astro usage. Yeah, it's going it. to be yeah. whoever has that job. And that's the only downside. He's a really good relief Because everything else is good. He'll still strike out it's batters. It's what he we said going anyone. into last year. Like, if he just keeps kind of being what he is, he'll be fine as a closer. And mm-hmm. he was. And so here we are. Yeah, so it's it's fine. I don't. I can't have too many qualms about this pick. I'm not certainly excited about him, but it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. And I guess the reason he's right here is just because, like, he seems unlikely to just fall apart in his 30s after years of being a really good pitcher, but or at least right now. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have Aroldis Chapman, of course, with the New York Yankees. He's going with pick 94 overall, <laughs> 81 in NFBC leagues, and 107 in Fantrax leagues. So let's see. Last year, 56 and a third innings, did get 30 saves, 3.36 ERA, 15.5 K per and, nine, and, and a 607 <laughs> walks per nine rate. So, okay. We've certainly seen a very flawed pitcher here, but a guy who's this had is saves new, for 20 years. So what do you think, what are you doing with Chapman? Is he this guy? Is he going to walk everyone but still strike batters out? Was it just because he was hurt periodically? Is there upside? What do you see happening here with him? I think more likely than not is that he was hurt a little bit, a little banged up, and that caused him to be a bit more erratic. I think the walks come down somewhat, but he is a little bit wild sometimes. And he's not getting younger either. So I'm scared enough that I'm going to steer clear unless the discount's pretty severe. I did also because the Yankees aren't exactly super patient if things get really ugly. I mean, they shouldn't be. No. And they are, they will kind of dip around here. And Jonathan Loisega could easily step into the closers yeah. while well, he did it last we'll year. We'll just go get, get like, or, yeah, buy yeah, or whoever, trade for someone. Billy Wagner. <laughs> well, yes, I agree with that. You're right. The the walks will likely come down. I think it was more injury related than anything. I mean, if everybody's really scared, though, I could see myself grabbing him like, you know, once in a while there's a player who it's just kind of like, wow, how far they're dropping. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of wonder how if, if he winds up like that, I could see myself taking him. Yeah, for sure. That said, he's also the first guy we've seen that is a walk. I guess Diaz a bit, but a, a walking risk, and that obviously muddles things a bit compared to certainly Ryan Presley or yeah. several of the guys ahead of him. I do think overall he's going to get you saves and he'll be fine. He's 34. He's not ancient. He's obviously still got the velocity, striking batters out. So I think it's a fine choice here. I I don't want to take him necessarily right at cost, but if he does slip a bit, like you said, that's someone I'll probably jump at. Next up at pick 108, we have Kenley Jansen now with the Atlanta Braves. He's going in 92 in NFBC leagues and 131 in Fantrax leagues. Jansen, of course, with the Dodgers last year, 69 innings, 38 saves, 11.22 K per nine, 4.70 walks per nine, and a 2.22 ERA. Now, the thing with Jansen is that he has weird heart issues, yeah. so he periodically just misses some time. That said, last year was pretty much a full season for him, and a couple years prior, 2019, was a full season for him. So really, I think he gets kind of unfairly blasted with the health things. I do too, Maybe but I, mean, I had him a lot last year because of how far he was falling, mm-hmm. and it worked out really well. I mean, he walked too many guys, but he's another one of these weird veteran closers who it's almost difficult to question until you 
until he really falters. Yeah, and he got 38 saves. That's yeah. more than the last, like, four picks we yeah. discussed as far as last year's numbers. So I think I really like Kenley Jansen here mm-hmm. because I, I think too. you're getting essentially, I don't know, two, three, four rounds earlier production at this point because of that health risk, which I don't necessarily believe in. He's with a good team. He's and with Atlanta now. He's another one of those guys that as he gets older, he may not have the dominant year every year like he used to. But every year he gets saves, and every year he does something well. Yeah, for like sure. The strikeout rate was very high last year. And he's 34, so he's a little older. But I don't know. I like this slot. I could see myself owning a lot of Jansen mm-hmm. this year, particularly at that Fantrax cost, 131. Oh, yeah, I like that. And I wonder, I don't know, I don't remember the dates I pulled from these drafts, but it wasn't too long ago. I think I only pulled last week, maybe two weeks at best. So I don't think this is just he doesn't have a team yet baked in. So I'm not sure. I'd be curious to see what his most recent picks were. I think some people might, like you said, the health scare, the age, the walks. Like, there are reasons I get it, but he's so reliable. Next up, we have Jordan Romano with the Toronto Blue Jays. Pick 114 overall, 103 for NFBC, 129 for Fantrax. Romano with the Blue Jays, 28 years old. Last year at 63 innings, 23 saves, 12.14K per nine, 3.57 walks per nine, and a 2.14 ERA. All the metrics say he's that good, at least as far as ERA goes. He's a good pitcher. Didn't get a ton of saves because the Blue Jays' bullpen was in flux a lot of the year. Also got hurt for a little bit of the year. What do you think about Romano at this slot? I like him fine. I, I don't think his ERA will be quite as low, personally. This year, I think he was a little bit fortunate. I think he walks like a couple too many guys for the kind of reliever he is, not being like a super dominant guy. With all that out of the way, though, he is the closer on a good team, and he is a good pitcher. So I'm fine with it. I don't love him there. I kind of agree with you there. And to your point, 3.57 walks per nine, but also just a one home run per nine flat. And typically in his career, he's been, I don't know, a third of a home run per nine more than that. I think he was a bit lucky in that regard. That's going to cause the ERA to inflate. Still, it's a fine pitcher. Maybe you should go in and expect a 3.3 ERA. But that said, you're still going to get the saves. I think he is the closer on that team. I think that's why you're drafting him here. That should be the reason. (laughs) Well, let's find out what the reason people are drafting this next player at his <laughs> slot is. It is Giovanni Gallegos, 131 overall, going 115 in NFBC leagues and 149 in Fantrax leagues. Now, here's what I want to say about Gallegos. On the Launch Angle podcast, we brought this up a couple of times. Go check that out, available wherever you get your podcasts. We've talked about Jeff Zimmerman, who's my co-host, doing his Mining the News segment on Fangraphs, which is full of excellent information. He looks at what players on the team, managers on the team, all news across the basically the world talking about the team and trying to weigh whether or not it's valuable. Every single news item about Gallegos coming from the team is, well, he's not our closer. Maybe we'll use him a little bit here and there, but no one has any faith in him as the closer. I don't know who the closer is on that team because there's no clear-cut guy, but they don't seem to think he can be their closer. You're a Cardinals fan, how do you feel about it, and would you draft him at this slot? I think if I had to put a bet on it right now, I think he's going to be the guy on the team that gets the most saves, and I think he'll start the year as the closer, but kind of it'll never be a cemented, cemented thing. They do this a lot for some reason, especially the last probably five years or so, and um, it's worked pretty well for him. They've had some really good bullpens some years, but 
I think more than anything, this is the Cardinals, uh, and a few things they've done are kind of hinting at this, becoming another team that is going to have a bullpen that is not fun for fantasy. Yeah, it's really going to be real hard. It's going to be good for me as a Cardinals fan <laughs> because I think they'll optimize what they have. But it's going to be tough to say, "Oh, I'm getting 30 saves from a guy." And here I have a blurb for you from that actual um, column. Giovanni Gallegos is not the team's closer, according to their GM. And this is from uh, an article writing about it. During November's general manager meetings, Mosellock indicated the team did not have a set closer in mind for 2022. Gallegos could be a candidate for that role, but it's unlikely the Cardinals name one until they complete their bullpen. They are expected to add at least one more reliever after the lockout, preferring an established veteran with experience in a multitude of roles. And they've done that. Who did they add? Oh, they signed a guy that had spent some time in Japan, I believe. Yeah, and he's I, he's not going to be their closer. But yeah, they're not. They didn't sign anyone that's going to be a big no, role. So that, that's what leads me to team. say it's him first, and then they'll probably. But yeah, it's going to be. Mix and match. Jordan Hicks is still there and throws a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, and they're going to try him in the rotation, I think. But I don't know. Which if that's they should. Work. If they, they should. Get, you got to try. But I'm not so sure either. But overall, the numbers last year for Gallegos were good. 80 in the third inning. He's always 3. good. 3.02 ERA. I'm using uh, baseball reference now, which my eyes don't go to the right column yeah. as quickly because Fangraphs has done a whole thing. So bear with me when we do this. But overall, good season. I mean, at the very least, you're going to get a good relief pitcher, I think, here. Yeah. So. And you you cut bait if you have to. But, you know, it's it would be tough for me to take him here because I know how the Cardinals <laughs> operate a lot of the time. All right, so this is where it gets kind of wonky. Yeah, so tell me about it. This also lists players who are listed at relief pitcher but are effectively starting pitchers. So we've got Luis Severino on here, pick 154. Yeah. Michael Kopech at pick 159. I don't think either Ranger of those guys Suarez are relief pitchers. going to start, too. They're going to start him. I'm then. pretty sure. Interesting. I'd, or that the indication is, I don't, you know. But. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, Brian, let's go ahead and take a break here, and then we'll come back and finish up the relief pitchers. Nasty. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's actually skip ahead to Mark Melanson at pick 162 overall. He signed a contract with the Arizona Diamondbacks, I believe, for two years. Let's see, 162 overall, 134 in NFBC, 192 in Fantrax. So Melanson last year 
certainly catapulted my teams up a bit because I ended up with him on a handful of leagues. He led the majors in saves. While being worse than ever. And he's just old, <laughs> but clearly can hold a closer's role. What do you think about him at this slot? Do you think he can continue to hold it? Do you think he'll be worth this draft cost? I'll give the same answer I give every year because, like, at this point I have to. Like, I'm going to be right one year, <laughs> which is uh, Melanson just is not as good a pitcher as as a lot of these guys on the list. But whatever for whatever the reason, he can, with a three-run lead, he can make sure his team does win the game. I mean, <laughs> and the what you're paying for is his name and his years and years of closing because he's not going to give you the peripheral help or the strikeout help that other guys are. But like you said, Van, he will be a closer. It's just whether or not he can hold it together um, at like our age. And here we go. Here we go. 64 and two thirds innings, 39 saves. And he had a 2.23 ERA. I mean, by all accounts, it was a great fantasy season, but everything past those numbers. Yeah, makes you don't you go, want to huh? look at the rest of it. So there you go, Mark Melanson. Let's see. Next up, we've got Will Smith at pick 167 overall. Not the one who slapped Chris Rock. We don't know that this one didn't. This one may not be Jimmy. We don't know if the catcher did either. <laughs> is this the Willinium? I think it is. Uh, let me check. Where are it? 2022. Yep. Still smack dabbing at 978 years to go. Smack dab. Smack dab. Hit the Chris Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. didn't even do that on purpose. Well, this Will Smith, the relief pitcher for Atlanta, is going to pick 112 in NFPC drafts and 218 in fan drafts, gra- drafts, and it's too early because this is a guy that when Craig Kimbrell, or not Kimbrell, when Kenley Jansen signed with Atlanta, yeah. his value went poof. And he's a good yeah. pitcher, but he's Always not going to get saves. has been, but he will not be getting saves. So I think you can just easily write him Unless off until much later. Unless he finds his way onto like... Will Smith seems like a guy who every year could close on one of those teams that wins like 73 games. Well, because he does. Like, he was a giant <laughs> yeah, where that just yeah. kind of happened. It just happens. Like, if he wound up an Oriole next year and, and got, like, 23 saves, I wouldn't be surprised. So, good pitcher, but there's just no saves here. So, if you're in a saves league, not going to help you a whole lot. Next up at 170 overall is Craig Kimbrell. He's going 156 in NFBC drafts, 183 in Fantrax drafts. He's still with the Chicago White Sox, where he was traded to at the end of last year, in which he had 59 and two-thirds innings, 24 saves. Most of those came with the Cubs, and just overall had a a good season, basically a renaissance for Craig Kimbrell, but he doesn't have a closer's role here. Liam Hendricks is going to be the closer. A lot of people speculated that Kimbrell would be traded, but he just hasn't. So what do you think? I why would they trade him? You know, like he helps their team. It's I, a that, fantasy mindset is yeah, what does that. exactly because mm-hmm. it's like why wouldn't you want two guys capable of being dominant closers? And Kimbrel was great last year. I didn't. Uh, you did to your credit. I didn't want anything to do with him, but he cut his walk rate like in half and just kind of became what he was again. And I, the one thing though is this is certainly too high a price to pay on, for a setup guy. And a guy that you're speculating on. Because why the White Sox would ever want to trade a good reliever, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next up is Blake Trinan, 175 overall, 167 in NFBC leagues, 184 in Fantrax leagues. And Trinan with the Dodgers last year had 72 and a third innings. He had seven saves. Not very many. But 199 ERA, .982 whips, so certainly a good pitcher. Last year, we've seen some volatility with Drake Blake yeah. Trinan over the years. Sometimes he's elite. Sometimes he's just pretty good. What are the odds you would give him that he remains closer for the Dodgers full season? 
I think it's a coin flip. I because he is a good. He's good. I mean, like you pointed out, he's had some really nice seasons, and he, last year was one of them. I, I think it's and the Dodgers are smart. I think if he's doing his job, they're not going to mess with anything, even if they add some more middle relief help. But, um, you know, it is tough though because the first month or so is going to dictate so much. I mean, I could training's older and he has had some injuries and if he were to uh, stumble out of the gates, I don't know what happens, but I, I, you know, I think there's a chance. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman on the launch angle podcast said 20% is what he said. And I'm not that pessimistic about it, yeah. but I'm not optimistic about it. We've just seen I too guess, much. You know what? I will lower the percentage some too, just on the, based on the fact that this is an acquiring team. Yeah, you com- know, they, compared to other ones who yeah. would just stick with what they have. They would go out and get someone. But last year, 2020, he had a 7.71K per nine. year before that, 9.05. So he made a bunch of gains back in 2022, but why, or 21, why? Why did he lose it in 2020? Yeah. There's a lot of volatility here. It's This is just a player I won't draft. Yeah, I simply yeah, I won't just won't either. do it. Yeah, I think it's just, and that's, gosh, that's like all these relievers in here. <laughs> because there's the question marks are just plentiful. All right, well, let's skip ahead a bit here. Let's see. Next, we've got Ranger Suarez. We talked about him being a starter, so we'll move past him. Camilo Doval with the San Francisco Giants is to pick 182 overall, one in S- uh, sorry, 163 in FBC, 200 in fan tracks. And Doval last year with the Giants, 27 innings, 3 ERA, 1.037 whip, just three saves. But at the end of the year, he was essentially the closer. Yeah. So now we've got a guy who doesn't necessarily have the track record of getting saves, but who largely has the role coming into the season. Do you think he can hold it with the Giants? Do you like this draft cost? Because pick 200 in fan tracks, we're getting down here finally. Yeah, if he's at that cost and I and I'm reading good things as far as like him looking like he's going to get the job, I think that's totally fair. Even though me personally, he does not check a lot of the boxes I want. He's not a dominant type reliever. He's kind of a like slider cutter type guy. He's also 24 and has three career saves. <laughs> so like it's a little bit of a dicey proposition. But if he's around pick 200, you got to find saves somewhere. And I think one thing that goes against him is the Giants have a bunch of guys who could just kind of fart into the role. Yeah. Jake McGee's still there, I believe. I'm double-checking. Yeah, so He's he sort of eternally some. somewhere, too, like Will mm-hmm. Smith. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, it's fine. I mean, we're at the point where, like we said, you want one of the top guys already. We're yeah. past the top guys. I guess we're in the, the guessing game portion. The question becomes, would you take them as your number two? Would you take him as a number two closer? Probably because my closer thing is probably going to be get one really good closer and a couple of late guys and then hope for an in-season move or two. All right. Um. Yeah, I think I'm... No, I don't think I will. I could see I mean, happening. I'm not going to draft him at all, probably, but yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah, if, if I got stuck with him, he could be. Does that make sense? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I get it. Well, let's see if the next guy is someone we'd prefer. Well, technically, the next guy is Tanner Hoke with Boston, and he's a starting pitcher. We'll skip him. 189 is Scott Barlow, however, with the Kansas City Royals. Barlow, buddy, number one. <laughs> 174 in NFBC, 206 in Fantrax. Barlow last year, 2.42 ERA, 16 saves, 74 and a third innings, 1.197 whip. So the whip's a little bit higher here from a lot of guys that we've seen. What do you think about Barlow? Is this a guy you take as your two closer? I do not feel comfortable with him being 
like a full year closer for the Royals who don't seem to do that. Like, I don't know if it's just kind of the bad fortune they've had with some of the relievers, but um, also the Royals aren't great. So the save total is not going to be probably that high regardless. I think he's a nice enough reliever. I think there's a chance he could hold that job, but um, like any of these kind of bottom of the barrel teams, unless there's some sort of elite reliever, I'm pretty hesitant to, to draft these guys. And Barlow is 29. Yeah, so he's a little bit older than, for example, uh, Dovar. I think I want to avoid the guys like this who, if they have a great first half of the season, are probably getting traded because yeah. they're on a bad team. That's what Richard he is. Rodriguez last year. Mm-hmm. So th- th- I just don't really. I would rather take someone like Dovar, who's younger, and the Giants have a reason to keep him because he's cheap. Yeah, there's a little more job security if the job. If you're looking at two pitchers where you're not, the one of the questions is, will they have the job the whole year? You want the guy who really we'll have it the whole year, not just earn it and then get dealt. And we're still kind of early enough in the draft that I'm just not ready to pull that trigger for this. Well, because right around here in the like 180 to 200 range, there are real valuable players. To oh, be yeah, getting. for sure. <laughs> Let's see. Next up, we're at pick 192 overall, Corey Knable, and he is going with 173 in NFBC, 215 in Fantrax. And Knable is now with the Philadelphia Phillies, I believe on a one-year contract. Last year, he was with the Dodgers, had 25 and two-thirds innings, and full of saves at three of them, 10.52K per nine, 3.16 walks per nine, and a 2.45 ERA. So the ERA has been all over the place yeah. for Knable and his career. He had a six-plus ERA. He's had a, an ERA under two a couple of times. Overall, didn't get a lot of saves last year, but kind of fills in the role here with the Phillies who don't have the clear-cut closer guy. What do you think about taking him at this spot? Um, yeah, I would really need more information out of spring, like that they're they're looking like they're gonna go with him because it is a little crowded and because he did only, you know, have twenty five innings last year. He's been banged up. Like you said, he's been all over the place in terms of performance. But if he gets the job, I like him there. I think he's you know, if he's healthy, he's a pretty good reliever. I think they're gonna win some games too. I do think <laughs> I kind of like him because I think he is the option for this team. He seems like it. I mean, there's Jose Alvarado, but the, who's also a lefty, and so I don't see that happening. Brad Hand, who's just had yeah, a couple of rough, rough years. I think he's toast as a closer. So I, or Sir Anthony Dominguez had it a couple of years ago, but I think he's still coming off uh, Tommy John. I have John. to say something about Brad Hand really quick. Oh, That's no. Fu- it's pretty funny. Okay. So the other day, I get a lot of, like, targeted ads for fantasy baseball stuff, obviously, as I'm sure you do and, and everybody listening does. And one of them was from CBS Sports touting their, like, draft kit. Mm, and sure. the uh, but the ad said from the team that like I, I wish I remember the exact phrasing, but the team that predicted Brad Hand struggles. <laughs> I I, for, I think a lot of people probably <laughs> said that was possible at his age and the type of pitcher that he is. But if that my thought was if that's like the banner call that they made, like I wouldn't be putting it on there at all. It's no. like this is the most outrageous thing we predicted going into 2021. The toot your horn and it's Brad Ham <laughs> struggles like a, a bit. A 40-year-old closer lost his job. <laughs> nice. So there we go. Let's shift ahead to Taylor Rogers, 214 overall, 200 in an NPC drafts, 237 in Fantrax drafts. And Rogers is 31 years old, plays for the Minnesota Twins. Last year, 40 and a third innings, nine saves, 13.17 K per nine, 1.79 walks per nine, and a 335 ERA. 
I feel like I'm missing something here because I really like Taylor he's Rogers. He's pretty good, right? I don't understand why he's. I feel like he could be ten spots higher in this list. Is this just a job thing? Because the Twins Maybe. have bettered their team. They are. They have. They they might not be the best team in the American League or anything, but they're not going to be an Orioles type deal. Uh, let me look at the rest of their bullpen. We've got Tyler Duffy. We've got Jorge Alcala. Caleb Thibar. Man, I don't know. I just I feel, feel like, like this is Rogers' job. I do too, and I like him here if it is because, you know, around pick 200 on a team that's not that bad, and he had a nice season. He really did, and I know there was a little bit of injury stuff going on there. Of course, he only had 40 innings, but overall, I have not seen any negative injury news, yeah. none of that, so I this is one of my buys. Yeah. I think he's Me an too. excellent if, pickup here. Yeah, I think that this is, uh, there are guys going well ahead of him, like, I'd rather have him than Scott Barlow. Oh, you for know, sure. 30 yeah. picks ahead or whatever it is. Well, let's shift over to Gregory Soto, who's a pick 224 overall, 205 in FBC, 252 in fan tracks. Last year, Soto, who is still with the Detroit Tigers, had 63 and two thirds innings, 18 saves, 10.74 K per nine, 5.65 walks <laughs> per nine, and a 339 ERA. I'll start on this one. No. Is the answer. I well, I don't understand why people yeah. are drafting him. I guess he because he got the 18 saves. He's he's too volatile. He could easily be in a long relief role in two weeks into the season. Yeah. There's nothing that tells me like, oh man, this guy's a closer. He's just right now a reliever who closed for a bit to me. And I there are other options later. There's certainly other options ahead of this that I would much, much rather have. So I don't get it one bit. What do you think? Totally agree. And as the Tigers improve, they're going to look for other options. If not, the, I mean, I don't see Soto holding a job at all. He walks too many guys all over the place. And I say this as a guy who uh, I do have him in the prestigious Dynasty Dynasty League. Because trade I, I picked him up off the wire. Oh, you can't trade in that league. No, but that's a good I, point. Uh, but I would if I could. But you know, I, you know, he's not a, a reliever without value. I just don't think it's as a closer, and I, I don't like him here at all. If he were striking out 15 batters an inning, yeah. I'd be like, okay. And he has good strikeout rates, but it's, it's a little it's, under 11. I mean, there's plenty of guys that do that mm-hmm. out of a short roll like this. Yep. So moving on, we've got David Bednar at pick 230 overall, 202 in NFBC, 259 in fan tracks. Bednar's with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Last year ended up with 16 two-thirds innings, just three saves, 11.42 K per nine, 2.82 walks per nine, and a 223 ERA. The difference between him and Soto is I do think he is a good pitcher. I do, too. I'll give him that. I'll give him that, but kind of like Soto, like, what's the over-under on, like, 10 saves? Yeah. Who knows? He's a pirate. The yeah. one, probably the worst team in baseball. At yeah. least the Tigers are trying. I'll they're, give them that. They're very bad. You know, if Bednar were on the Tigers, I would buy him. Oh, but I will not buy him here with the Pirates, and I won't buy Soto with the Tigers. So I don't want anything to do with him. No. Feels like he should be 100 picks later. If you were 100 picks later, it'd be fine. I just think you're going to run into the trouble of, just like you said, what's the over-under 10 saves? Maybe yeah. he gets you 10 Your saves. Your best case ratios. is something like that, and then he gets traded to whoever mm-hmm. to be their third best reliever. We'll get a couple more of these guys out of here because we're getting into the real questionable territory. We've got Joe Barlow up next for the Barlow Texas Rangers. Two. Yeah, our second Barlow. He's going with pick 245, which is 234 in NFBC, 256 in Fantrax. And we're seeing those two numbers kind of get closer and closer as yeah. we go down the list. Barlow with Shots the Rangers. The Let's see, 29 innings, 11 saves, 8.38 K per nine, 3.72 walks per nine, and a 155 ERA. 
All the other ERA metrics say three and a half at best. <laughs> what do you think of Barlow here? Barlow two, Barlow squared. Barlow squared. No thanks for this Barlow whose ERA is the only good number he's got. And I, the Rangers are another team that spent a ton of money just now. They're not going to have Joe Barlow as their closer. No, I don't think so for long, I, no. if at all. I Something happens here. Let me look at the actual Rangers depth chart. Why don't you blather on about something while I do that? I was really surprised that there were two guys named Barlow out of like the top 25 possible closing options. Not a name ADP. you would see very often, yeah. No. It's not, I don't feel like it's that common of a... Now, would it be weirder if there were multiple guys named Garrett Whitlock? Sure. <laughs> sure. But Barlow's still pretty weird. Barlow's not normal. On the actual Rangers roster, there's nothing I'm worried mm. about. Spencer Patton, uh, Greg Holland, who's a non-raster invitee. Maybe he... Maybe I could see it, but also no. I think they're going to trade for someone in short. I, I just, just don't yeah. see it. Also, like... This is another case. If I if I actually thought Barlow was a better pitcher, maybe I buy in. Yeah, but I don't. So therefore, no thank you. Let's see. Aaron Ashby's on here. I don't know. Is, has it been announced whether or not he's going to start or be a reliever? I, I haven't seen. Either way, he's on the Brewers who they already have a closer. They're so a we can skip set. ahead. I assume he starts. Dylan Floro here with the Marlins is up next. 258 overall, 242 NFBC, 280 in fan tracks. And uh, I don't know, Floro had the job last year for at least periods of time. He throws hard. He's maybe an option out of the back end of the bullpen. Not a great team. 64 innings last year, 15 saves, 872 ERA, 352 walks per nine, but a 281 ERA. What did I say earlier? Hang on. 872 K per nine, 3.52 walks per nine, and a 2.81 ERA. Boy, I don't know. I think he could be fine. Yeah, he could be. But are I, we at the a, point in the draft where you're okay taking that kind of guy? I'm okay at this point filling bench spots with guys who might get the job, who look like they could get a job like this. But I, um, man, I, I just have no confidence based on, like, just like what we talked about at the beginning of the episode. These guys were basically one out of uh, one out of every twelve of them actually gets any saves. Yeah, like it, you, it's just a total crapshoot. So try if you're drafting them, I just recommend get a guy in the best situation that you can who is a good pitcher. Don't worry about junk pitchers who have nominal jobs; they will lose them. Absolutely, definitely agree with that. And really, we're kind of at the end of pitchers who. I guess you could say have the job or or close to it or, or any close, of that yeah, really. Chase like into that. Oh, we've got Drew Rasmussen a little bit later with the Rays. I think they announced he's not going to be ready for the start of the season, and they have a thousand pitchers who could do it. And they're they are weird about their bullpen too. Mm-hmm. Lucas Sims is just bad. He's been so bad lately, yeah. and I think there was some news about him. So I think he's being drafted way too high. Matt Barnes with Boston is interesting. He's typically a hard thrower, walks too many guys, but it's been like Big two plus curveball. years now that he keeps getting saves. I think I like Barnes a little bit, and he's going pick 266, 265 in a BC, and 277 And what's the fan deal tracks. there? I don't know what the, why he's so low. I think it's simply he's been because hurt a lot. he's been hurt and because he walks so many batters. Let's see. Let me pull up his page. Last year for the Red Sox, he had 54 and two-thirds innings, 24 saves, great strikeout rates. The walks are actually better than I thought, 3.29, 379 ERA, but the ERA metrics were... Uh, a little kinder to him than you would think. Let's pull up Boston's page. I was a little bit surprised. 
by his omission and then thinking I'd missed something. As far as, like, did they sign Lee Smith? I don't think they did any of that. Yeah, they didn't. You know what? I've talked myself into it. I knew he was a fine option, but I think I'll buy him here more often than not. Now, here, okay, here's an example. The, uh, oh, I know what it is. It just hit me. Garrett Whitlock, of course, last year was moved in the bullpen. Yeah. And people surmised that he was going to be closer. Yeah, he's he's going to start. He is a starter. Yeah. He's a starting pitching prospect. They're not going to use him as closer. So I think you should be buying Barnes. I do, too. I, I think especially until there's a reason not to, because like you said, Van, he's gotten into that territory where he's closed a lot now. Mm-hmm. He's thought of as one, and he's been pretty good. Jake Deekman is the other name on that team. He'd close, again, a lefty and a team yeah. that doesn't have a lot of lefty in the bull, lefties in the bullpen. Uh, I think I will take Barnes I would. and run with it. So that's definitely a good buy for sure. Anyway. That's what the names kind of look like as we go down here. So let's go ahead and shift to overall thoughts about players at the position. What is the best value per ADP that you think you found on this list? I prefer the like Iglesias through Presley tier, if you will, like your Iglesias Diaz Presley group, where I feel pretty good about them having and keeping the job and giving me a good return. And I don't have to spend like third round prices. I 100% agree with that. I think the only other option I'm going to throw in here, because Iglesias was my answer to the first one, is Taylor Rogers, who's someone sure. I just really, really I agree like. With you. Super yeah. cheap. That's a guy that I will literally sit down and say, my draft strategy is to take him at that round, no matter what. I would like to, he's a guy who I'd like to investigate a little further if there's any sort of reason. Yeah, because like, I couldn't find one. But uh, other than the team being bad, because I just feel like he's a nice enough guy to fill out your stat sheet anyway. And honestly, Matt Barnes, the more I've thought about it, is someone that I think I like. Yeah, he'll walk too many batters, but I think he'll get you strikeouts and saves, which are what we're doing this for. So let's move on to the next question, which is what is your favorite handcuff option? So guys who are maybe two, three in a bullpen, someone who are on the outside looking in, is there a name you want to toss out there, someone you take a flyer on later in the draft? Sure. Like one of the ones I keep thinking of is because Greg Soto's bad. Uh, Michael Fulmer has been in the Tiger yeah, and bullpen. and you sniped him from me in the prestigious Dynasty, yeah. Dynasty Baseball League draft. I, that's how I got Soto last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm just kind of trying to accumulate weird half-closers. But I think he has a, a pretty good shot at translating into a good reliever and maybe taking that job in Detroit. Another one, Alex Colomay could easily end up getting like 30 saves for the stupid Rockies because <laughs> he... Is not a great pitcher, but for some reason, he just kind of winds up closing for teams. Constantly, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, let's see, Michael Former was going pick 339 overall. Do you have where uh, Colome was going? I don't have it right in front of me. Oh, there he is, 433 overall. So, so it's cheap. free. Mm-hmm. Another one, by the way, uh, the other one I had is Chad Green, mm. because Ch- if Chapman were to, like, all of a sudden, like, walk three runs in a couple of times or something. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. So I will say great choices there. Paul Sewald is going with pick 309. I think he's a really good pitcher. Who knows what the Mariners wind up doing, but that's a reasonable option. But the one I want to point out the most is someone that I got in the prestigious Dynasty Dynasty Baseball League, and that is Denilson Lamette at pick 342. Former starting pitching prospect who, when he was a starting pitcher and people were drafting him, like, I don't know, pick 110, I thought it was crazy. He's a two-pitch guy. Yeah, needed that third pitch for that. Got hurt, and to the point where we thought he was going to have Tommy John surgery last year, and then they moved him into the bullpen, and he looked okay. There's still injury risk to be found here, 
but I think he's a bullpen guy. I think uh, we've probably been saying that a long time, but that is his ultimate role. Mm-hmm. And at pick 342 with the San Diego Padres, I could, they have not named a closer. They don't mm-hmm. really have the guy. No one's run away with it. I think it could be Lamette, and I think he could get you. 30 saves this year, and it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. And good ratios, because I he do has think the he arsenal to be a dominant reliever. Mm-hmm. Good velocity, but just the second pitch. Okay, we also have one last topic here, which is super late draft options. So, anyone in here that's going just crazy late in drafts that you think someone should keep an eye on? Basically, just kind of the guys we were just talking about uh, going in the 300s and 400s, because those are kind of free. You can kind of mix and match in there. I, the guys we mentioned are really good options. Lamette, Fulmer, Sewald, they're all going well beyond pick 300. I think all those are fine. I would just, uh, the late options, I would just focus always on really good relievers in situations that aren't necessarily that solid, even if they're not like the setup guy or like necessarily the number two guy on uh, closer monkey or something. I'll tell you one of those names, which is Colin McHugh, currently going with pick 494. He converted to the bullpen last year and was And has been awesome. there a few times in his mm-hmm. career, and he's always been good there. And he's now with the Atlanta Braves, so obviously he has Kenley Jansen ahead of him as far as being a closer, but as far as being a reliever who can get you good ratios, it's him. I mean, he's going yeah. to pitch multiple innings, and he's going to be good. And it's so kind of one. like uh, what you said earlier, like, or what we've always said is just focus on a guy that'll get you those good ratios. Kenley Jansen's there. It seems impossible, but you just, you do not know. He gets hurt. There you go. You have a closer. (laughs) And then my final guy I want to give you, I actually had to pull this up via just NFBC uh, main event drafts, which took place over the previous weekend because he's not even on our fantasy pros ADP list. And that is pick 447. David Robertson, the admiral himself. Oh, he's not on the list because he's adrift at sea. <laughs> exactly. He's uh, Well, you actually can't draft him with normal rules. You have to draft him with maritime oh, rules. It's okay. kind of messy. And NFBC doesn't cover maritime rules. They don't. No, you have to go to Audenew for that. Oh, okay. Uh, Robertson is now with the Chicago Cubs. He signed a small contract to be with them for one year. Hasn't really pitched a whole lot over the last couple of years due to Tommy John surgery. In 2019, he had six and two-thirds innings. Last year, he had 12 innings. But in those 12 innings last year, the velocity seemed okay. He struck out a bunch of batters. And ultimately, this is a guy who's been a closer in his career a lot. Of course, there Mm -hmm. was also the Yankees period where he was closer number two who was he behind not Rivera was it Rivera was it really that long ago surely not yeah it was I think it was Rivera it was which is crazy to say but anyway he's done the job he's a good relief pitcher the question here is health and will he be able to to get through a season I don't know the answer to that but I know it picked 450 Jeff Zimmerman had an article the other day on mining the news where a very prominent Cubs manager or player or someone with the team said that he might very well be the closer, and that's enough for me to say, fine, I'll take a flyer on this, because if he saves 30, 35 games this year, I wouldn't bat an eye. No, I wouldn't just one of the guys I mean, that does it. And this will be a thing where the Cubs will want to build up his value and trade him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, they're you, a bad team. what you do with a veteran, and they've traded a lot of people over the past couple of years. But that doesn't mean at this price it's not worth it. Absolutely. So there we go. Oh, yeah, another name. I almost forgot this is a late add to my list. We're going to talk Cincinnati Reds and Luis Sessa. I don't have his numbers in front of me, 
but he was listed as being the potential Reds' closer. We talked about Lucas Sims earlier. They have not been able to figure out their bullpen for a while. Forever. Well, since they got rid of uh, Rice Iglesias, really. And he was supposed to start. (laughs) And Sessa was, I believe, a starting pitching prospect, yeah, with the Yankees and made his way to the Reds last year. But last year, 64 and two-thirds innings in the majors. Didn't have a save. 7.52 K per nine, 2.64 walks per nine, and a 2.51 ERA. Certainly not getting the strikeouts from him. But it saves and it's cheap. Let me do a Kyle Hendricks numbers. Let's see. Sessa. So in those NFBC drafts, 476. So yeah, free. Yeah, totally free. Another name for you. That's going to do it for the relief pitcher episode, Brian. Take that. We've just crapped our way right through them. Good (laughs) job. We're done. We don't have to talk about them ever again until one of them loses their job and we talk (laughs) about who'll take it. And Ron is like, thank you for doing this with us. Yeah, this is the nicest thing we've ever done for Ron, I think. (laughs) You're welcome, Ron. Yeah, Ron. So anything else before we get out of here? I don't think so. We're very close. I guess we should mention to anyone hearing this to get a hold of us to get in the listener league. That's right. Uh, we will. We haven't had a whole lot of responses. If we can get enough people, we'll do it. If not, no big deal. Yeah. But we're planning on drafting uh, next weekend, this yeah. coming weekend. So definitely get in touch with us if you want to do it. Let us know. There you go. So for Brian and Ron, I'm Van Lee. And may the fantasy gods shine upon you. Also, stay tuned for the starting pitcher episode later this week.